Hello and welcome to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. I'm your host Michaels and we're back tonight after a very, very big win on the weekend against the Brisbane Lions. Must admit, didn't see a lot of the game myself due to other commitments, but from the bits and pieces I did see, the boys had a pretty good outing. And with us to talk about the game tonight as well as a few other Richmond topics, we have a, a returning guest. He was actually the inaugural, one of the inaugural members on the first podcast, Ronnie Dangerfield. Welcome to the show. G'day Michaels, how are you mate? Good, yourself? Very good, thank you. That's the way. Uh, so we already know a little bit about you with um, how you became a Richmond supporter, but uh, something you, you feel to sit on with your fun fact is you hit the town and had a few too many drinks with a young David Warner, which resulted in him being sent home. Now, are you directly responsible for that? Um, yeah, I'm going to claim it. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was in Brisbane. <laughs> I had a career change in uh, 2008, and I was over in Brisbane doing a recruit course, and... Um, he was there. I didn't know who he was at the time. I just knew they were AIS cricketers, and he was he was pissed most days, to be honest. And he was in the the room below me, and I got to know a few of them. And uh, one Saturday, uh, we we met up in the pub, and I don't mind a pun on the horses. And him and a couple of other young blokes were asking me, "Who should we back in this race?" You know, and I said, "Back Apache Cat. Apache Cat can't lose." I was half gut at the time, and they put heaps on it, and it got up. And so that was party time for Dave, and uh, off he went. And he was, you know, pretty big-headed, loud, and that just got out of control. And uh, the next morning, uh, one of the other young blokes met me in the floor. He said, oh, we had, just, we had a big night, big, big day, big night. He said, but Dave, Dave's been sent home. <laughs> so he was sent home from the AIS, and that was the beginning of uh, Dave Warner's trials and tribulations, and uh, it's pretty relevant at the moment, I guess, and uh, he's, he's always been a, a naughty boy. Well, you can almost say you've set his career up for him. You've done him a favour. <laughs> well, I was pretty full of shit at the time because I played a fair bit of cricket myself and he was telling me how good he was. Mate, mate, I would get you out. I didn't know how good he was, obviously, <laughs> but uh, he's going, oh, rubbish, let's go down the nets. He wanted to take me down and thank God I didn't go, but, yeah, I was telling him I was too good for him. Oh, very good. And your favourite grand final moment from last year? Um, it's pretty hard to pick one, isn't it? Because there were so many, so many great moments. But um, I think, in in a funny way, uh, the quarter time was right down in front of me when uh, Jacob. Who I know I've got a man crush on Jacob, but when he when he uh, got the free kick against Lever and he was you know way out of his range and had that shot and he he got into him. I just I love the way that Towno just said, you know what, mate grabbed him, and then Josh Caddy, bang, and it was, to me, that just suggested, you know, what well, they're on today. They're not going to take no crap from these blokes, and uh, I don't think we look back from there. No, no, a very good time to bring up that matchup, because I'm sure we're going to touch on the matchup again later on, now that it is at Melbourne, so I think we're all looking forward to that. And our next guest tonight is new for the first time. He once took a stripper home from a strip club, which is pretty impressive for those who have maybe... I haven't attempted it, but I've seen mates try it at a Bucks night. The Lounge Lizard, welcome to you. Thanks for having me, lads. So, without going into too much detail, how did this all come about? <laughs> um, an overinflated ego, I think, is, is the only way to put it. Um, essentially, <clears throat> um, after... A, uh, a couple of weeks of living within my own bubble um, 
and a bit of a party at the end of it all. I thought that uh, a strip club should be the place to blast in steam. Um, I was with other people, mind you. And uh, pretty much this beautiful German girl was there and uh, sort of fell in love like at first sight and mostly with her legs and um, yeah it's just start talking about like football with her because um, I didn't think I was gonna sort of get you know home with her and, and sort of thought you know what fuck it and uh, oh assuming we can swear I said fuck it and uh, just said like do you want to get a drink of course Sydney's got like the lockout laws and all so um, she suggests we go back to her place and uh some say I'm still dragging my jaw off the floor now from that sentence. Um, and then after we got back to her place, she, she said, oh, here's a guitar. Could you play some songs? And I, I played a couple of songs and ended up playing Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. And to which she said, um, wow, that's beautiful. Did you write that? And uh, I looked her right in the eye and said, my word, I did. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Then uh, I think that was the sealer for the old How's Your Father. But, um, yeah, it's very uh, – I must – one day I'd love to meet Noel one day and say thanks. Like, thanks for – like, you really helped me out there. But I always figured that one day she's going to, like, listen to the radio and, and hear it come on another thing. Like, wow, like, that guy's, like, pretty famous or, <laughs> you know. Or, like, Twig, that I'm just a bit of a liar. <laughs> well, you obviously covered it pretty well, so I mean, it's probably good wingman kind of stuff from <laughs> Noel, if anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the thing. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those sort of songs where, like, it's quite a high song to sing. I thought I don't really want to go for this too much because I don't want to like completely fuck it up in front of her. So perhaps I had that like more melodic, softer take that that sold for her, or um, or perhaps. She was on my charm the whole time, and didn't matter how I sang it, just got sleep with me. But I don't like to put it. I like to put it down to my musical prowess. Absolutely, <laughs> oh, that's a, a very good story, and I'm sure many. Of she the, did nearly make audience... me. Uh, well, I was just going to say she did nearly make me miss my flight home the next the next morning. Oh, okay. Um, I only just made that in the clothes from like the night before, so like everyone was aware. Yeah, what happened? What happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, a good story to you share, know. nonetheless. I'm sure the boys were, were pretty wrapped for you. Uh, right. Jealous, I think, was more more the word I'll go with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll push into some of the the footy talk. The first topic for this week is the roast and toast. Uh, Lounge Lizard, you're responsible for the roast this week. What have you got for us? Yeah, no, I'm not sure how it's going to go because I'm no cook, but I'll try my best to roast. Um, pretty much on the AFL with the, the class jumper policy. Um, anyone who follows me is a bit of a poster or like a lot of the guys in real life and know me. But know that I spend a lot of time with footy jumpers and graphics design board. Um, and I, I don't design, I can't, but I did go to art school, just, you know, do drugs and meet women. Um, so I figured I got some sort of way to analyse them. But Honestly, what's going on with the AFL at the moment? I mean, you got Carlton running out in the full home strip and home shorts. Last week against North in royal blue and royal blue shorts. I mean, North, I mean, round one, Carlton were in like grey shorts with like the home jumper, and it doesn't make any sense. Obviously, there's an accent. I did spend some time in the UK growing up, and my idea of class jumpers is probably a lot more open than other people. I know, um, 
uh, a, a post, a good post of mine who, um, oh, his name's completely escaped me. The, he, the one with the Ned Flanders um, RFC avatar, Tiger. RFC, RFC Tiger 74. RFC Tiger 74, yes. Uh, I, when I met him at one of the Richmond functions last year, we, he, one of the few things we actually do agree upon. Um, he's a hell of a nice guy, by the way. Um, but we're very staunch on our views. He agrees entirely on this about the Clash Jumper thing. It, it, it's ridiculous. He thinks it could be more contrast. I think just like rewrite the whole thing. We've got to start seeing matchups as uniforms. So it's not white shorts away, dark shorts home, with whatever jumper you've got. It's a uniform. If you wear a predominantly white shirt, you wear predominantly white shorts. Um, match them up as a uniform and give people a proper image to look at. It works in every other sport in the world. Somehow we find a way to make it very complex. Um, if you ever pop onto the footy jumpers board, you'll see that the jumpers tipping competition that they literally have because it's so arbitrary that no one can work it out anyway. Um, they really need to get on and do something about it. You know, just make a decision and keep it consistent throughout the whole year because, you know, I guarantee you Adelaide won't be wearing their clash trip against us in Melbourne. No, that's right. And I think one of the best ones I saw was I think it was two teams wearing blue. I don't know which two it were, but then the umpires had some themed round where they wore light blue as well. Like Whoever made this decision to have the two teams playing where clashing strips, but then the umpires to go in on top of that. Yeah. It just, it just blows my mind that someone was paid to make that decision. Yeah. And I think even down to like the decisions on like last year's grand final, I have no issues with us wearing the clash jumper. It's a beautiful clash jumper. Um, and we were the second-ranked side, so that's fine. If that's the ruling, I mean, that being said, the AFL's rule is actually, if you go back to the history of the Grand Finals, Patrick Keane doesn't actually match up with that rule. Some years it, it varies. It kind of depends on how they feel. But our jumper is predominantly yellow. We should have been in yellow shorts for one uniform look. Um, and, you know, again, that's initially what you touched on, is that you've got two teams in blue and then the umpire's in blue, but the shorts are all different, and that's just not enough. Not in, in the most elite level of this yeah. competition. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, Ronnie Dangerfield, you've got the toast for this week. What have you got for us? Yeah, oh, just before you do, just that yellow jumper thing. I reckon that uh, was almost like everything that worked in perfectly last year. What that must have made us a fortune, that yellow jumper. Everything just worked out <laughs> to a T. Every kid I see at the footy is wearing a yellow jumper now. But... Uh, my toast, just, just, <laughs> my toast is just Richmond on the whole, our team. I think it's, you know, you, you, you do get a little bit apprehensive. Oh, we've never been there, have we? We're in a premiership you think, oh, how are they going to go about it? Are they going to be, you know, they're only young blokes. Are they going to get ahead of themselves? Are they going to party? But just the way they're playing and looking at them and, you know, everyone's come back looking unbelievable, like you look at Castagna, he's bigger, and Caddy looks slimmer, and the bit, the, the one I really love is the big guns, and it starts from the top with, with Koch, as we know. He doesn't trace any personal statistics, any glory, he just focused on what he's got to do, 100% of the ball, Jack playing his role, Rance, Dustin Martin going down forward, not worrying about getting 30 possessions, goes forward for the team, kicks six goals, and then there's the lesser likes like Towno, Lambert, they never ever deviate from their role. They don't care 
what their stats look like. They're just worried about playing their role. And then you look at Dylan Grimes with his spoil when they hadn't had a goal on the board. A minute later, Royce Conker's making this unbelievable smother and his work rate. Right across the board, I can't think of one player that's taken a backward step. And I, I know we didn't play against a lot, but I got a real feeling of, um, I don't know what the word is, just I, I think I was convinced on the weekend that, yep, yeah, you know, they're, they're fair income. They're, they're not going to... They're not going to have one of these seasons where they fall off the cliff. They are so focused on what they're doing and so hungry for more success. And yeah, I can't pump them up enough at the moment. Yeah, I think I could. I think a lot of us could even see that in the JLT series. Uh, like you said, a lot of them come back fitter, stronger. Uh, they were as committed to the contest as ever, even in a JLT match. And yeah, it's really extended into the season proper. And I think that a lot of that comes down to the learnings from what the Bulldogs did after their flag. We, obviously, they wanted to make sure that that wasn't replicated. But yeah, it is good to see the boys fully switched on uh, in every game that we play. I, I think, think we've been pretty lucky as well. I think we're better than last year. Hmm. I was going to say, I think we've been pretty lucky as well, like before the flag, that a lot of the personal achievements we, we'd already done, you know I mean? Jacob won a couple of Coleman's. Um, Dusty and Koch obviously won a Brownlow. Um, Dustin's obviously a bit closer to the flag than... than but you know for these players and best and fairest and stuff like that you know they've achieved the uh the individual glory in 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 the shit years and and now that as you're saying with someone like Koch you know he doesn't need to validate that to anyone get himself in the history books now he's done that so all he wants to focus and all he has to focus on is what's going to get in the flag you know I think a lot of a lot of people while the flag's the ultimate goal there are a lot of players who play for the individual awards yeah, and perhaps point. we've been lucky that we've been lucky that our, our big four, big five have got them, and now their only focus is is on you know going for the flag as opposed to you know last thing you want to do is go into a uh, a Brownlow medal count the week before grand final as a hot favourite when you maybe haven't won it for a couple of years, and and the focus comes off the team and onto and onto you know will he get that Brownlow this yeah. yeah. No, they're all yeah. very valid. Good leader too, because everyone's following his lead. Absolutely, and it is. It's contagious, uh, which is which is evident every time they take to the field. So it's really good. We'll uh, have a look at the autopsy thread play of the year awards. So these are the totals after round four. So for the game against Brisbane, the votes went: Dusty got five, Cotron got four, Conker got three, Castagna got two, and Grimes got one which makes the leaderboard in first place Dusty on 15 votes, Cochin in second place on 9 votes, Caddy in third place on 6 votes, and Alex Rance in fourth place on 5 votes. Now, really good to see Conker be recognised by the big footy posters after, I suppose a lot of people had written him off a few weeks ago. Um, he did have a good game, or a good second half against Hawthorne, and then obviously carried it into the game against Brisbane. So really good to see the, the recognition there from the posters. I, I agree. I think he's been um, probably fairly maligned throughout his career. Um, you know, uh, it'd be easy to say he's been unfairly done because of he's had injuries. But, you know, um, I think, you know, a lot of soft tissue injuries he's had. One was just bad luck, like the first one in that final. But you could argue that others have been repercussions of maybe um, not an elite set to training and standard. He's obviously been overweight in certain seasons and they lead to soft tissue injuries. Um, it appears that, not to give too much away in case some people are still working through it, but that 
bought by Conrad Marshall, obviously, at the end of last year. Just focusing on him, it seems like something switched a bit for him last year. And, you know, after that, he started quite well, got injured again, but, you know, really switched on. He looked in everything post-grand final, like on the day, on the ground, he just looked ecstatic for everyone. Apparently, he just loves the club. I think the realisation that it could come to an end came quick and, you know, he's had already had one contract renegotiated. I think he's probably buckled down now. He looks fit. He looks full of confidence as well. Um, and it's easy to say he's had a couple of bad opponents to run in. And I saw that posted this afternoon, cup up, cup of poor midfield to get confidence. But it's invaluable. It doesn't matter how you get it. Just get it, you know. Um, and and he look, he looks like he'd be a really important cog. And I like to see him do well because I think he does provide – he's one of those guys that, you know, you can throw back, you can throw in the middle, you probably could throw him forward, um, you know, and I think it's one of those risk-reward types. You know, with his disposal, I mean, Brandon Ellis, obviously at the moment, is a bit of a whipping boy. I've noticed on the board, a lot of people want to see him out as well. But while well, disposal is poor, you know, I think you can put up with that if they get to the right spots and they're doing the team thing. I mean, a lot of superstars, uh, namely, you know, I mean, Ablett, uh, Dangerfield, uh, Judd, stuff like this. I mean, the disposal was never great. <clears throat> Excuse me. The disposal was never great. And um, if he can continue the team thing, he's quite a big unit, so he can take someone out in the midfield and freeze up guys like Presti to go forward a bit more. He's very dangerous. And Dustin, obviously. Um, they're more powerful. Absolutely. Um, so the review of the, the round four game versus the Lions. So Richmond 16, 14, 110, defeated Brisbane 2, 5, 17. Goal kickers, we had Dusty with six, Townsend with three, Castagna three, Lambert two, Caddy and Revolt one each. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, question for you. Dusty playing forward, it seemed like he played a lot more forward this week than he even did against the Hawks. Do you think that was by design or is he a little bit injured or which one do you think it might be and how do you think that's um, taken us to a new level as a team? Yeah, I'm not sure with his... Uh, in the Hawthorne game, I... Was with my mate, and I said, "Oh, I think he, he looks like he's carrying something." But you know, you, you wonder if your mind's playing tricks on you because he's down there, or on the other side of the coin, it might be a great opportunity and really smart coaching to say, "Well, you know, there's there's some big games coming up later in the year. Let's save the miles in his legs because he's so dangerous forward and just play him there now." But uh, and that gets back to Reese with Reese in the side, Dion. And uh, Trent in the middle and Josh Caddy going through there. It, it just gives us so much options, so much flexibility. and just makes us so dangerous because everybody in the world knows you put Dustin Martin and we isolated him so many times. I know you haven't seen a lot of the game, but he, he got isolated so many times. I almost felt sorry for the young Brisbane blokes that were on him because they just there was they never a stat a they mentioned. There was a stat they mentioned during the broadcast that Apparently, he wins something like 90% of his one-on-one contests. Yeah, like he, against everyone. He's an NFL leader in that. Yeah, he's an NFL leader in that regard. And they're the bottom side. And they, I mean, he could have he could have kicked a lot more, really. He was, you know, I, I do wonder if he is carrying a little bit of soreness, because, but it's not hampering him, obviously, too much. But uh, if he is, it's just smart management. But there's no reason to think that he can't kick 50 goals for the year, even just spending 60 medal 40 forward. He's probably been doing the opposite at the moment, but I'm sure as the season goes on and we, we get into some big games, he's going to spend a lot more time in the middle, but what a beautiful ace to have up our sleeve if when he, you've got uh, 
the smartest player going around in Jack Rewald, who opens up the forward line anyway. And then, yeah. as I said, the role players like Townsend just get out of the way. They're not they're not selfish. It just works beautifully. If he played 65% forward, he'd go close to winning the Coleman, I reckon. He's that good. If we just kept isolating him, he's an absolute nightmare to match up on. Oh, he's impossible. And Lizard, uh, the one thing I did see was later in the game, um, I think we were going pretty hard trying to make sure they didn't score a goal. Once they did, uh, the pressure kind of eased, eased off a bit, but it looked like it ramped back up again in the last seven minutes. Is that just a, a way for the boys to try and get some real run into the legs given the extended break before the next game, or how did you see that? Um, probably more just, I think it comes down to the natural flow of the games. Um you know, the Lions are probably a bit unlucky not to score early. I mean, you obviously had that Grimes spoil. It's been well documented um, on Stefan Martin in, in the goal square down the punt road end. Um, you know, they probably were a bit unlucky not to get on the board a bit earlier, a couple of points, a couple of bounce of the balls that didn't go their way. I'm sure everyone that's listening to this has sat through Richmond games of that nature. Um, so I think, you know, it's probably more of a, uh, if we'd switched off a bit, you know, get the runner out there, get them refocused. You know, I mean, our pressure was intense. The, as we were saying off air, intense the entire time. You know, you're going to have small lapses. Obviously, against a better size, I'll probably put a couple away against you, like Hawthorne did. Um, but I think it was more of a, you know, it's just we probably ease off a bit. Brisbane got a bit of run on the board, and then we regrouped a bit. Um, and I don't sort of read too much into it. I mean, we got the extended break, but I think we got a four-day turnaround. Yeah. Um, after the Melbourne game, I think it'd be more interesting if we can put Melbourne to the sword. Then I think you'll see a season, particularly if they play similar to the way they did against uh, the Hawks on the weekend. Absolutely. Uh, just backtracking a little bit to Dusty, Grokodok has sent through a message saying that he wins 53% of forward contests and 87% of one-on-ones, which is just staggering. Um, and to make it worse for other teams, Rant is probably not far off that stat at the other end of the ground. No, it was funny. I did see Grokodok, um last Friday um, very briefly, and he did mention that, I'm not sure if it's soreness or whether it's an injury, but he did mention that um, there have been reports that Dustin, I think, Cotram were out to dinner, I think maybe on Instagram, and that apparently he was limping or moving a bit, a bit slowly. So I think there probably is an element of, of of truth to it. Now, whether it's just general soreness, you know, um, or a slight twinge, you know, I I just, you would think it can't be all that serious if the club's playing him, um, yeah, exactly. particularly against a team like the Lions. Yeah, so. oh, exactly, so... yeah. And sometimes one of those ones you've got to run out as well. Yeah. Before we go on to the, the Who Am I game, Rodney, I just want to get your thoughts on Prestia's first game back. How did you see his impact on the team? Uh, really good, actually, uh, because he's he's a player like Maurice Conker that's had a lot of injuries down over his career, and like any player without continuity, he's always sort of struggled. You know, we seen last year he he was copying it a lot because he was he was struggling, and they managed him really well too. They they rested him I think three or four times during the year, and he always came back really well fresh. So I'll be interested to see. It's good that he's got the long break. His next game's the one that interests me because he always does seem to play well first up <laughs> in uh, horse racing parlance. First up from a spell, he always plays well. But um, what it what it did notice, I know we weren't playing a lot, but geez, 
he just makes such a difference to our side. Him and Josh Caddy just makes so much difference. And uh, I mean, that's some of the best recruiting ever. Those three last year, along with Dan Curvis. But his his game on the weekend was first class. Yeah. Well, just to touch on, I was going to say, just touch on the, the Caddy and Prestia thing back going forward. I mentioned earlier that Prestia is a very dangerous option forward, and another big footy post of Mogwai um, is a good friend of mine, and um, we've both mentioned that. The problem with Prestia or Caddy being forward is they're not the most dangerous um, options, but if you don't have someone on them, then they become incredibly dangerous. And um, you know, and that's what what Town Townsend's role is so important is that you have to have a man on either Caddy or Townsend or Peter Prestia um, when they go forward because they got they just you just don't want to leave them free or they're going to have a day out like we've seen Caddy have a few times. Yeah. He's just getting better and better, Caddy. He's becoming a really, really good AFL player, Caddy. One of the few times I've been correct, I said when he first left the Gold Coast, we should go after him. Admittedly, I also said something about Jesse White. Um, so you win some, you lose some. But um, <laughs> no, I, I'm sad to have Caddy and, and for that reason. And it's just good to see a guy in the Richmond jumper who gets the chest out and, and you know, is, isn't afraid to, to get right Tough in the face boy. of of the opposition. Hell of a nice guy. I met him at one of the functions recently. Big, big chompers on him. Um, <laughs> but very, very nice guy. And and I, there's often reports he's a bit of a dickhead, a bit up himself, and didn't get that impression at all. Uh, at all. Um, in fact, was even making a couple of jokes about some of his old Geelong mates when we sort of said, how about getting Hawkins down there? He said, oh, he's a bit old and slow these days. So, you know, very nice guy and very down to earth, and I can see why culturally he's he's fitting very well. Yeah, just for what it's worth, he's been a perfect fit for our club, and yeah, really, really glad we've got him on board. We'll push on to to the Who Am I game. So I've got some facts here about a, a former Richmond player. So once you know the answer, just buzz in with your username, and we'll see how you guys go. So first clue: I was born 27th of May in 1983 in South Australia. I originally played for Glen Elg in the Sandful. I was traded to Richmond from the Bulldogs at the end of 2007 in exchange for pick 19 in the 2007 draft. Oh, God. I played 34 games and kicked nine goals for Richmond. I mainly played... The answer is... Yep. It's not Patrick Bowden, is it? It's not, no. I mainly played as a halfback... I think, this one will give it, I think this will give it away. I'm most famous for kicking a goal after the siren versus Melbourne. I was going to say, I, didn't, I thought it was too early. Anyway, there you go. There you go. So I think we can unanimously agree it is the one and only Jordan McMahon. <laughs> what a good game that <laughs> was. A good goal that one after Very the siren. Weird. Yes, oh, and yeah. if you ever look at the didn't footage... Didn't get as much, I mean... did it? <laughs> Only got us just the if you ever look at the footage, I'm very sure he marked it well and truly after the siren had gone and the whistle, but we'll take it. Absolutely. I think the umpire may have been caught up in the moment, which is very nice. Yeah, well, with the amount of crap that we get against us, we'll, we'll take anything we can. <laughs> All right, we've got a, a new game as well to play. It's, it's which poster said it. So after I went through our autopsy thread, and I've picked out one post that I, that I quite liked, and I want you to see if you can guess who the poster was. Now, I've, I've given a multiple choice because there's obviously quite a few posters on there, so it might be a bit hard to, to just pluck one from out of nowhere. But the quote on the autopsy thread was, Four quarters today of relentless pressure and good footy by the Tigers. Finals form is back. 
So who said that? Was it A, Tiger Turbulence, B, Prodigy, C, Tigs1229, or D, Gold Dust? It's interesting, oh, like, actually. I thought, I like I thought it sounded very yeah. much... No, I actually thought it was a Tiger Imposter style where... Because I've, I've quite enjoyed his um, coming around to the, the bright side of... He's since, had a beer uh, with him last year. He's a real good bloke. Yeah, real no, it, all reports yeah. apparently is, is yeah, that, that's bang on. Um, I'm going to go with Prodigy yourself. So was I. Yeah, I was going to go with Prodigy. No, it was Tigers1229 who gave us that bit of gold. Uh-huh. Well, Tigers1229, you royally screwed both of us. <laughs> you should right. hang your head in shame. Yeah, there was uh, plenty of good quotes in there, but I thought I'll, I'll go with the positive one as opposed to a couple of the backhanded ones that were in there uh, along the way towards the Brisbane guys. Didn't think to go for a Shazza quote. I thought it might have been too <laughs> obvious. It's a very distinct style. It's... You reckon? <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> no, we love Shazza. Have you, have you approached him about coming on the podcast? Um. I think I might have in his former carnation, but I don't think I got. <laughs> I don't think I got the answer I wanted. But I'm more than happy to try again. It would be a very interesting chat. <laughs> we could break the our views record that Tiger Tiger seventy one set. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get we'll get uh, Shazza and Snake Baker onto the one episode maybe and see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> the other the other one that would would blow up rank ratings would be this is Anfield and Gold Dust. That'd be a good one to have too. Yeah, Goldie would be good. Or or the the gun and prodigy. Talking yeah. about Ben Lennon. <laughs> oh, we could just get the gun and Ben Lennon on. Yeah, oh, find yeah, out that would be spot on. Find out um, you know, what year he was in high school when uh Lennon stole his girlfriend. <laughs> 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 Before we get too carried away, we'll push on to the, the preview of the, the round five game versus Melbourne. So Melbourne obviously lost to Hawthorne last week, well, yesterday, by 67 points. Uh, I saw a bit of that game, and they were awful, to put it really politely. Uh, Rodney, I'll start with you. Where do you see this game being won or lost for Richmond? Well, I think uh, with Melbourne, they've been exposed probably over the last 18 months. They sort of remind me a little bit of where we were three or four years back. Um, And I just think... We've got the perfect game for it because 120 minutes of footy, 120 minutes of pure footy will smash Melbourne, and that's that's Richmond in a nutshell. So I I hate going down this track, but I am unbelievably confident about the result of this game because they won't play 120 minutes. They're front runners. They're you know they're a little bit full of themselves. They puffed their chest out. They were doing it to Hawthorne yesterday. They thought they were going to win the game. They were giving them gob for and Hawthorne beat them by eleven goals. So I, I just think that Richmond could give them a real lesson in a couple of weeks because they they won't take the foot. We know what they're like. I can't believe we even speak about them like this now. But you trust them. Their process is right. Their their hardness. One hundred and twenty minutes of footy. It'll just take Melbourne and the cleaners. Do you reckon there's any sort of danger around the fact that with the Demons coming off a heavy loss, they're going to be under the microscope and will probably come out breathing fire? Do you expect a really hot and fierce contest early or, or they'll fade out? I do, yeah. Or... I do, and that's probably why, what I'm talking about. Uh, I can even see it's been three or four goals down. But I won't even lose a, a wink of sleep. I just think, and neither will the players. That's where Richmond are at now. Like, they will, Melbourne. They've done it with Hawthorne yesterday. They'll, they'll come out and they'll be... 
full of fire and brimstone and they'll be bloody, you'll have your Tom Bugs running up and chest and blokes and we just don't buy it anymore. We'll just keep playing out the way we play, 120 minutes, and we'll be saying to them without actually verbally saying it, all right, no worries. See if you can do it for 120. Good luck. Keep going. The club they could be five goals up and it wouldn't bother me. And the club does seem to have that confidence that the the great Hawthorne and the great Geelong, I mean, even to a degree, the great Collingwood and St Kilda teams of the, the mid-2000s and late to 2010s had that regardless of where the game's at, that they there's this belief that they'll, they'll win. Um, and that's why I agree with you that even if we do get five goals down, it, it wouldn't really, I don't think we'd phase anyone because I think there's this genuine inner belief amongst the the squad now that... You know, they'll come back, and particularly with the being second-half specialists, I think we saw that against Paul last year at Adelaide Oval, that um, they'll yeah, come back, and I, I too, agree with you. And well, Melbourne are yeah. the opposite yeah. to us, too. <laughs> they they would they could be five goals in front. They might be all bluff and blasted, but they'd be shitting themselves because of the way they play. They would be thinking, oh, I hope we don't do it again, I hope we don't do it again. And they're so yeah, weak. Yeah, it does get into the head, you're right, yeah. Crocodile has sent through another message that Melbourne and Richmond from 2012 play good footy at times, but are mentally weak. Do we agree with exactly that? Exactly right. It's exactly what it reminds me of. Very much so. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that the end uh, the end of the road is going to be pretty similar. I can see him being successful at some point, but uh, not not yet. Remember, and we were like that. Remember, even our supporters, the players, they thought they were better than they. We were good, but we weren't that good. And when we face times of real test, we used to crumble all the time. And it takes it takes time, and Melbourne aren't there yet. And, Liam, what do you think our main focus needs to be for this week's game? Um, <clears throat> defence out the pressure. Uh, the pressure out the defence, um, ideally. Um, Melbourne, with the way that they tend to move the ball, um, you know, when they get into their forward line, they're not particularly good at locking it down. They play this weird quasi... Um, game style that's I think almost outdated already um, and they're trying to persist with with the mix between our sort of all ground um, pressure and uh, a web like Eagles web um, and you particularly see that in the way they set their defence up I mean it's not so important for our smalls because, but I think for our tours and stuff like that wouldn't surprise me if Nate spends a lot of time forward for this reason to expose it Um but their their forwards also up in a web and then try and apply the pressure when we get the ball. But with the way we intercept, I mean Asprey's become a solid one on one marker. Everyone knows that Rance is a, a brilliant intercept. Um Vlosten's become great at intercepting as well. If they set up and put the high ball in, we'll have a field day field day chopping it off and I think the pressure's gotta be in the defence. We've just got to keep cutting it off, cutting it off and make them start to second-guess their own game plan and then try and approach the game with maybe a something they're not comfortable with which and the way to, I think, get around our forward, our, our back line, particularly is very quick handballing game in, which is where I think St Kilda did very well with us last year in that game they beat us. They, they kept the ball low, they kept it moving, um, you know, and uh, it's not a way that Melbourne play. And if we can force them to play in the they don't want to play, then we're going to carve them up on and, and take them down. And you know once we get a couple of goals, as we were saying before, you know their heads will drop. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see it playing perfectly into our hands. I think they, them play their natural game plan will play perfectly into our hands. 
And with that, there's going to be some pretty key matchups along the way. Uh, Rodney, I'll get your thoughts on the first one, which we sort of mentioned at the top of the show. Jacob Townsend versus Jake Lever, which is a replay matchup from the grand final. How do you see that one playing out? Well, Towno's pretty predictable with, with what he'll do, because, and that's what we love about him. He just does the same thing. He never drops his focus. He'll do his role 100%. But it's going to be interesting because when he performed the role on Lever in the grand final last year, Lever was in pretty good nick. And he, and he still played a decent game. But uh, he's struggling at the moment. So I'm glad it's Jacob playing on him because, you know, if you sort of look too far ahead, you could see how Lever's playing and think, oh, he's not going that well. You know, I could probably I could probably get away with doing this and that, but he won't. He'll just focus on, okay, my, he knows. He's probably 20, 21, 22, picked in the side. He has to perform his role every week, otherwise he's going to be out in his ass. So I think uh, Jacob... And we've seen it already this year. We've seen it already this year with Bolton. We've seen it already this year with yeah, Bolton. Yeah. Didn't perform the yeah, role. Lord, they, played, they played okay, Lloyd. Mm. When they came in, as well. Yeah. So, so the, the selection pressure is certainly there. So it's going to be a tough day for Jake Lever, I think. It is, and your point's true about um, he was in a lot better form in Adelaide than he is at Melbourne, and I think that's largely because over in Adelaide, he it was pretty much the third defender, so he had a, a pretty good support system around him, but now at Melbourne for the time being anyway, he's the main man. And intercept marking, he's pretty decent at. But one-on-one this year, he's been awful. And if we get half the chance, I'd be isolating him with Dusty deep because he will shit bricks and Dusty would be a chance to kick another six on him, I reckon. For sure. But whether or not, yeah, whether they'd send him to him. But you're right, yeah. Because he has to, uh, he's not, he gets a lot more isolated at Melbourne, whereas Adelaide, they they sort of played like we did and as a, stay connected as a defence, whereas Melbourne seemed to struggle to do that. Yeah, and uh, the Lounge Lizard, Dion Prestia versus Nathan Jones. Uh, Prestia's second game back in the team. Uh, Nathan Jones, I, I think, is one of the, the benchmarks for Melbourne in a lot of ways, being their captain. He's going to be fired up for the clash after the poor performance. How do you see that matchup shaping out? It's a really interesting one because I think Jones is someone that you have to keep an eye on, um, but you don't have to necessarily put a hard tag on. Um and I think, to a degree, they probably view Pressier the same. You know, you want to just keep be aware of what he's doing, but you probably don't want to tag Pressier. If you're going to tag anyone, you're probably going to go for more of the Kane Lamberts um, and stuff like this. Try and shut us down from the outside. Um, or even maybe a Trent Cochran or someone try and stop him from getting in. Um, or perhaps a Jack Graham, even for the same reason. So it's, it's a really interesting matchup. And uh, I think you'll see him, see him start on each other a lot in... Um, contests like some throw-ins and, and ball-ups and stuff like that um, but I would think when the game goes I would not be surprised to see uh, Prestia try and drag him away from the contest and probably often get a lot of uncontested ball um, I think we'll see Prestia have a lot of uncontested ball and particularly forward and on the wings um, I think Jones will probably he's a very in and under player um, but I think we'll try and try and catch him on the counter. And it uh, wouldn't surprise me if someone like you saw Conqueror even Graham um, pick him up in gameplay and then press to sit on him in, in the, uh, as I was saying, in the stoppages. Unfortunately, Graham Banks has been rubbed out. But um, Presti yeah. is really good from his, his separation at the stoppages. So I think you're right. He might get a lot of uncontested ball, which might make Jones feel a lot more accountable, which would be a big win for us. Uh, Rodney, the other one I want to talk about is David Astry versus Jesse Hogan. 
Uh, Hogan, I think, has posed a big problem for us in the past. We obviously saw him when he got a hold of Rance all those years <laughs> ago. But these days, he seems to be a lot more mobile, playing up the ground more. He's getting you know 18 to 25 touches a game as a bit of a link-up man. How do you see it playing out? I mean, Asprey probably won't stay with him the whole time, but if he's deep in the 50, is Asprey the, the matchup for him? I think Asprey's definitely the matchup, um, but you're right. He, he, he's one that he's actually playing pretty well, Jesse Hogan, and um, looks like he's got himself a bit fitter and uh, he is moving around the ground a fair bit. Uh, I think Dave's the right matchup for him now. Um, but as you say, if he do, if he covers the case, he might have to he might have to work in tandem or you know rely on some some defensive support. But I think he's definitely the matchup and. He's just one of those players. Asprey, you just whoever he goes to, you feel pretty good <laughs> nowadays. You know, he just goes there and you go, oh, well, he'll do the job. Wouldn't it surprise me? That's our whole defence now. You know, they just you just feel safe. It wouldn't surprise me if if Hogan went up the ground. If we even let Asprey drop off, um, I mean, pick someone else up that leaves Rance as completely um, spare man in in that. In that defence, as I said, particularly with the web that they set up with, because I mean, no one would care if Hogan had thirty disposals and twenty of them were kicks if they were up on the wing. Exactly. Um, no, the, that's right. The dangerous aspect is if they if they manage to lock in one on one in the forward line or give given space in 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 the forward fifty. Much rather than getting it up the ground with you than than do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because he's not like a, a rewall, and I think that's rewall's great strength is he's possibly more dangerous up the ground with his football smarts and his, his skills skill set than than even oh. being deep in the 50. You know, I used to yearn for the days of seeing Jack one-on-one out in the goal square, but I've now come to realise that he, he's, he's just a far more dangerous player up the ground and actually clubs would rather him be closer to goal, I think, which is a catch-22 because you don't want him close to goal either than be up the ground because he, he just sets up so much of our scoring opportunities. And I suppose the biggest difference, big difference there as well is... If Jack's up the ground, it means Dusty's probably sitting behind him in the forward 50. But if Jesse Hogan's up the ground, I'm not too sure Melbourne's second forward is at that kind of level where it's dangerous. It doesn't feel dangerous to me. No, and no. Goodwin seems to be very apprehensive of playing a second tour. I mean, Wiedemann, who I do rate, hasn't got a look in. Pedersen can't get a look in. Um, Gorn clearly is evidently, I mean, his stats show that he's got from 30 metres out are appalling and he's backed it up two out of four weeks. Um, you know, so they don't have the other option or they're not willing to play another forward option down deep, which means they have to leave Hogan forward, but leaving him deep forward, as I said, opens him up for the web and against the side like us who were just brilliant intercepting, you know, and rebounding defenders. It's, uh, you're asking for trouble unless we're off and they're on. Then you know I think I think that's going to be the difference um, really, and that's why I think as we said earlier it could become quite a blowout. And the last matchup I'll ask about Rodney is Jason Castagna versus Michael Hibbard. Um, Hibbard seems to be their main playmaker from the back half from the ground, so he likes to wrap around the players who take a mark and really start their offensive drives. Do we have to keep a close eye on him and is Castagna the man to do it given his recent form? Yeah, it's it's a hard one because Hibbert does all their drive does come from from him and uh, you know Jason does play a really good defensive role and you know as a forward, but um, he's he's really playing a really good attacking role this year too and I 
we sort of don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul in that regard and have him chase and hit it all over the park and take that attacking element away from us. So, again, that might be a little bit of a, a tandem job as well because Hibbert does run a lot. And I know Castagna runs a lot, but you don't want him chasing him up and down the ground all day as well. And you've got Dan Butler that can do that as well. And um, that might be a little bit of a tandem role there or even a Jaden Short or something like that. But just he's someone that has to be watched very closely, though, because if you let him off the leash, he, he really sets him up. Would you bring Higgins back in to replace Graham to uh, to try and play? On, yeah, that might be an option too. On Hibbert, yeah. because I mean Higgins is so full of energy that you know I mean Hibbert would be have an eye on him because he would be very unaccountable because you actually for guys only play one game you don't know what you're going to get from him so you have to pay a little bit more attention to him in case he gets off the leash. I mean it could work the opposite way as well. But I think certainly Hibbert would uh, be a bit more conscious of someone that there's. He would be less aware of. Yeah, and he's proven that's, to be that's the role he'll play. He won't play very defensive here, but that's one thing he will attack, and so you can expose him in that regard. Speaking of the changes, is Higgins coming in the most likely? I saw someone else on the board today suggest um, Nathan Broad could come back in, and there's been the obvious calls for Miles to get a game, and even potentially Soldo to come in, given how good big Maxi Gorn is. It's a bit of a selection headache, I think, Lizard. It's a good headache, yeah, you're right. Um, I wouldn't be surprised I, if Higgins comes back. And I agree. It's um, It could be dependent on the weather as well. Um, but you, you've got a couple of options. I mean, this is assuming that they don't challenge the, the Graham decision, um, particularly which could be a bit more likely now, obviously, that, that Graham will... Jack Graham, that is, will only miss <laughs> the one game, respectively. You know, he... Um, it's not like he's going to risk getting a second game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Braw's an interesting one. You know, I'm not quite sure where he, he just sits into his back line. Short's playing very well. And I'll be, as much as I, I think Braw's a very good player and very good to our lineup. And Melbourne's perhaps not the side to play him on, given that they've only got the one key forward. And, uh, you know, it, I'll, I'll be, I wouldn't be so sure about, you know, tempting with form and trying to put Short forward on the wing. Um, just because he's played so well locked down. Um, I've not seen Broad play as a forward. I know he's got elite running. I don't think he's ever really gone forward and be a patent he probably doesn't really understand. Um, so I think it probably come. I think, yeah, Higgins is probably the, the obvious incl- inclusion. Um, but then again, you know, I think Stengel is a very good player. I'm not sure how his form has been in recent times, but I think he's a very good playing very dangerous forward and then of course you've got Bolton um, who who I've maintained from day one could be absolutely anything from just an X-Factor freak to back playing the waffle in two years um, you know mm-hmm. it depends how, how much he's managed to switch on from from being dropped and whether his defence numbers have improved Manager's probably other they one they may send to him too well. you don't know Manager, oh, yeah, yeah but it's it, Interesting Minnie not had a look in, really, I think, last couple of years. I know Tugger is a is a big believer in Minnie Um and also a, a, a very nice guy. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure where he fits into you know that there's a position in the year or two and whether we can keep him at the club for a year or two for that position to open up. But again, you know, um we're probably looking at, you know, um 
you know, if it's going to be quite wet, whether you want to play a guy like Minaju, um or or whether you go for a safer option like a Miles. But um, I'm not sold on Miles particularly. Um, I actually probably rather see like a, a Higgins come in. Well, they've definitely got some headaches at the selection room this week, which is always a positive sign. Uh, before we let you and guys go, said a good headache. Yeah, it is. It's about time we had a good headache. Usually it's like, oh God, <laughs> this guy's going to have to come in by default. But now people are actually having to earn games, which is which is why we are where we are, I guess. Uh, but before we let you guys go, we'll get a, a prediction from each of you for the game that's coming up. So Rodney, I'll start with you. What's your prediction, including margin? I think Richmond by 57 points. What? He's gone for the big one. And the lounge lizard yourself? Well, if I've learned anything from Shazza, I would be saying Tigers by a million. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's certainly got this way of uh, of seeing his you know big results. But I think I think the Richmond will win, and uh, I think it'll probably be closer to a, a thirty-five, thirty-seven point margin. And I'll go Richmond by I'll say about twenty-six or twenty-seven points. Uh, and just a reminder, the game is on Tuesday the 24th of April at 7.25pm at the MCG. Make sure you get there a bit earlier to look at, watch the pre-game ceremony. And the game is live on Channel 7 and on Fox Footy from 7 o'clock. And if I'm lucky, they'll play it on Channel 7. If there is a Channel 7 TV on the cruise I'll be on, otherwise I will miss this game as well. Uh, but the Lounge Lizard and Rodney Dangerfield, thanks so much for coming on to the show, guys. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Lance Lizard. No worries. And to the uh, time good, go good to uh, yes, exactly. yellow and black. Eat my life. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, guys. No worries. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!